Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. And I want to thank our latest Patreon supporters. Anita becomes a supporter at the rookie level of $2 or more per month, and Deidre at the master detective level of $15 or more per month. If you would like to become a supporter as well, on a monthly basis, go to patreon.greatdetectives.net, or you can also become a one-time contributor at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat. The original air date is July the 10th of 1950. And the title is Old King Death. Wheaties presents Nightbeat. <laughs> On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, Nightbeat, another in the Wheaties big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Nightbeat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the Nightbeat for the Chicago Star. Stories begin in many different ways. This one began when a man who wanted to play king and ended with a real king taking top billing. Old King Death. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Wheaties flakes are not very large, but my, my, what they have for you. They've got vitamins and minerals and protein galore. They've got crispness. And a nut-like taste. And they're flake after flake of genuine fun. Breakfast fun. Like when you slice bananas on Wheaties and pour on the milk and spoon into them and chomp down on them. What could be more eating fun and still be so good for you? Why, every Wheaties flake is a whole kernel of wheat. And you know how much whole wheat does for you. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast of kids. Breakfast of grown-ups from coast to coast. No, Wheaties flakes are not very large, but you dig into them first thing in the morning and they'll still be with you long toward noon. And that's a promise. Buy some Wheaties. Buy lots of Wheaties very, very soon. And see how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Chicago's theatrical district at night is a river of light, flashing marquees and gay crowds. But through it flows a deep current of hunger and disenchantment, illusion and hope. Yes, hope forever dying, but never quite dead. There was hope, a strained threadbare hope on old Max Saracen's face as I crossed Randolph Street and saw him buttonholing Charles Kelsey. Kelsey's a play producer currently more famous for the frequency of his marriages than those of his stage hits. As I strolled up, Max had one hand on Kelsey's arm, his gaunt, bearded face eager and anxious. You should have notified me, Charles. I certainly would have appeared at the tryouts if I'd known they were being held. 
Surely it's not too late. I'm sorry, old boy. Oh, hello there, Randy. Hiya, Charlie. Hello, Max. Charles, listen. You know my work. Remember my performances in the Theatre Guild Shakespeare Festival. Me King Lear, me Richard III. Yes, yes, Max, yes, but that was over 20 years ago. And it was I who asked that grand old man of the theater, Frank Gadosh, to take you on as an assistant. If it weren't for me... Can't you understand? Henry IV has already been cast. What what do you do with a fellow like this, Randy? Henry IV? Don't tell me Shakespeare on Randolph Street. Why not? In modern dress and a few sensational innovations that I promise you, Randy, will make Chicago sit up and take notice. Well, maybe you got something, Kelsey. I promise you they will sit up and take notice, Charles, if I do King Henry for you. It cannot be too late. You said yourself it'll be... Max Saracen paid no attention to me. His haunted eyes were fixed on Charles Kelsey and his tall, angular figure towered over us as he pleaded with the producer. The old actor had a single-track burn. But I could see that as far as Kelsey was concerned, it was going in the wrong direction. It embarrassed me to hear him plead with Kelsey for the old man at once been great. Shakespeare's kings from Priam to Claudius. I've said all I've got to say to you tonight, Max. Now, if you'll kindly remove your hand from my arm... I'm not asking for any major part, Charles. The part of the king is fairly minor in this play, but it was made for me. Max, for the last time... Charles, please, I need it. Oh, you old relic, you. Do I have to use force? Oh, cut out the rough stuff, Kelsey. Don't move! Hey, hold! The old man changed before my very eyes. It was frightening. He was suddenly a giant, taller and broader than I'd ever seen him, the stoop in his back gone and rage blazing from a face of iron. He stood like a king in majestic wrath, his eyes darting about until he spotted Charles Kelsey pushing his way through the crowd. Hold, you foul, fat-witted dog! Stop! Max, wait! Keep away. Take your hands off me. Max, don't be a fool. I'm warning you, Max. I don't want to hurt Help! Help me! Max, stop it. Stop it. You're killing him. Max staggered back as I drove my shoulder into his chest and Kelsey dropped to the pavement, still kicking. I hurried Max across the street where my car was parked and took off just as a cop showed up. When we got out of traffic, I headed out Sheridan Road along the lake. A nice cool breeze blowing off the water, Max. Feel better? Why... Why, yes, yes, I, I feel all right. You're, you're Randy Stone, the journalist. Who did you think it was? I, uh, I just didn't... Uh, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? You had a little argument. Max, look at me. Don't you remember? Oh, what time is it? Wait, it's, uh, it's nearly eight. Oh, I'm late. How could I have forgotten? What? I was going to see Mr. Kelsey, Charles Kelsey. You know, the producer. Oh, I see. He's opening with the production of Henry IV. You've probably heard about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, look, Max, uh, why don't you join me in a bite to eat at Mr. Joe's? What do you say? Why, uh, what time did you say it is? It's about eight. Eight. Uh, He often works late. Yes, of course, Uh, my dear lad, would you mind dropping me by Charles Kelsey's office on uh, Randolph Street, the Warwick building? I may catch him yet. Well, look, we can call him up and... Uh, oh. Eh? What is it? A police car just pulled in behind us. Some Eagle Scout must have taken down my license number. What do you mean? Why? Max Harrison? Uh, yes, I'm he. All right, climb out. What? I? Now, look, officer. What's the meaning of this? The meaning is you're under arrest. <laughs> They bundled Max into their car and drove off. I tailed them to headquarters where Max was booked for a simple assault, uh, a misdemeanor, and held on $50 bail. I found a telephone and called up Max's home. His wife answered. She broke down when I told her what had happened. How could he? 
Mr. Kelsey's play. It meant everything. Well, Max isn't well, Mrs. Saracen. The quicker you get him to a doctor, the better off he'll be. Can't, I can't. I haven't got $50. We haven't anything, Mr. Stone. Well, there isn't even any food in the house. Oh, uh... Oh, Max, he's been going crazy trying to make ends meet. Trying to pay my doctor's bills. Well, look, don't, uh, don't worry now. I'll see what can be done. Well, what could I do? Not much. So I went to the office. I touched a few of the boys for a five here, a ten there, until I had it. Then I went back to headquarters. The desk sergeant stared at the money. What's this? Max Harrison's bail. You can turn him loose. I turned him loose about 20 minutes ago. What? Sure. Kelsey dropped the charges. Oh, I see. He <laughs> must have finally figured out which side his publicity was butted on. Max, go home? I don't think so. Kelsey sent a limousine over to pick him up. He wants to see him. Kelsey? Wants to see Max? Well, that's what the chauffeur said. You know, Stone, I'm beginning to wonder if I did the right thing. The old man didn't seem right in the head. I'm kind of worried. You're worried. So long, Sergeant. Hey, where are you going? To Kelsey's office before Max kills him. I couldn't imagine why Charles Kelsey would want to tempt fate by bringing Max to his office. But whatever the reason, I was too fond of the old actor to have him run the risk of killing a man. I rushed to the Warwick building, went up to the 10th floor where Kelsey maintained his offices. I was about to go in when the door jerked open. Max Saracen shuffled out, pushing past me blindly, and I grabbed his arm. Hey, Max. Huh? Oh, oh, Randy. What is it? What happened? Huh? Oh, oh, oh nothing. Why? What did Kelsey want to see you about? He, he offered me a job. <laughs> a job. Max. Yes? What kind of a job? Playing? Playing a part? What kind of a part? I can't tell you. Please let go of me, Randy. No, no, wait a minute, Max. No, wait a minute. What's the big mystery? What, what kind of a job is this going to be, anyway? Oh, it'll be the death of me. Now, please, let go of my arm, Randy. The death of me. Max! General Mills is bringing you Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. You know something? You use up an awful lot of energy in a day, whether you're mending fences or breaking sales records, writing novels or wringing out clothes. Doesn't much matter. You burn it up, like a champion ball player burns it up. So why shouldn't you store up energy, like a champion stores it up? Why shouldn't Wheaties be doing for you what Wheaties do for ball players? Well, I can answer that question. Wheaties should. Wheaties should be giving you vitamins and minerals and proteins. Wheaties should be giving you that early morning energy that helps you through the whole a.m. Wheaties should be providing you with crisp, nut-like-eating fun at breakfast. And believe me, Wheaties will if you give them a chance. They're not known as breakfast of champions for nothing. Not on your life. Every Wheaties flake is made from a whole kernel of wheat. It counts big in that breakfast bowl. And the more the Wheaties, the bigger the breakfast time help you get. Very simple, really. You buy Wheaties, you bring them home, you eat them faithfully when you bounce out of bed, and Wheaties will give you what the ball players get, right in your own sunny kitchen. Breakfast of champions. Breakfast for you. Just like that. Try them. See how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. <laughs> And now, back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. 
After Max Saracen had publicly humiliated Charles Kelsey by attacking him in the street, I didn't think the producer was going to offer Max a job without some kind of a catch to it. And when Max emerged from Kelsey's office, I could see by his face that I was right. The old actor was crushed. I barged into Kelsey's office to find out for myself and to warn him that he was playing with dynamite. Mr. Stone, no man or woman for that matter can cross me with impunity. I keep books and I settle all accounts. Every slight, every blow, every insult. I keep a record of them all, Mr. Stone. I overlook nothing and I repay with interest. What satisfaction is there getting even with someone who doesn't even know what he did to you? You expect me to believe that? Your mind is so narrow it squeezes right through the facts. I'll remember that. I wish you would. Max is a sick man. Now, what kind of a job did you give him? Now, let's have it. Take your hands off me. I asked you. Why is he so upset? Disappointment. What else? He wanted the part of King Henry. All I could give him was the job of understudy. Understudy? Then why the secrecy? The old hand fancies himself another Barrymore. He doesn't want it known that he's had to accept the part of a mere understudy. It's quite obvious, isn't it? Mm, Just uh, when is this show going to open? Oh, in three or four months, I imagine. You're satisfied? Now get out. Yes, I'll be happy to, just as soon as you... Tell me who's going to play financial angel to your Shakespearean clam bake now that your wife has separated her bankroll from it. My wife and I have suffered long enough from the malicious lies of scandal mongers like you, Mr. Stone. Oh, yes, yes, uh, I know. Uh, what about that well-known scandal sheet, the court record? That separation suit was faked, I suppose. Mrs. Kelsey has reconsidered since then. Oh, well, congratulations. You stay married to her long enough, you too can be in the social register. The social register. I'd express an opinion on that point, Stone, but not to you. My wife's passion for blue blood is a foible outside the realm of this discussion. However, if it uh, helps convince you that we've solved our differences, you might note that we're entertaining tonight with a little reception in honor of Count Raphael de Guidio. Where did Max go when he left here? How do I know? Now will you get out of here? Yes, with pleasure. I need a little fresh air. Oh, hello, Mrs. Saracen. Yes? It's Randy Stone again. Oh. Has Max gotten home yet? No. Uh, no, he'll be home late. He's dining out. What's that? He, he called up a little while ago. I guess you know what happened, don't you? It was awfully generous of Mr. Kelsey. The whole thing was a mistake. He never meant to have Max arrested. But I do appreciate your concern for Max. It was good of you to call me. Uh, look, who is Max dining with? Well, with Mr. Kelsey at his home. He wants to discuss a part with Max for his Henry IV. It's a wonderful break. Just what we've been hoping for. Max was all choked up with emotion when he told me about it. It's about time. Poor darling. So Kelsey had actually invited Max over to his home. Why? What kind of web was he weaving for the old actor? Whatever it was, I knew it. Had only one purpose in Kelsey's twisted mind, to destroy Max Saracen, to get even. I got into my car and headed for the Gold Coast where Kelsey lived. I pulled up in the courtyard, went to the door, flashed my press card to the butler. Thank you, sir. I believe you'll find most of the press people in the next room by the punch bowl. Oh, thank you for the tip, but I'm looking for one special character, Max Saracen. Have you seen him? Saracen, sir... I know, sir. I do not believe... All right, I'll look around. He's probably somewhere in that mob on the ballroom floor. I think not, sir. There has been no Mr. Saracen. I've let in everyone, sir, and there's been no one by that name. That's quite definite, sir. 
I would remember a name like that. Yes, well, I'll look anyway, thank you. I shouldered my way through all that soup and fish, feeling as conspicuous in my everyday clothes as a burglar at a policeman's convention. Where was Max? I glanced from one face to another. There must have been nearly 300 of them there. Was he in another part of the house? Had he come in by another entrance? I couldn't be sure. Kelly, Kelsey was nowhere to be seen either. If he was alone with Max, there was no telling what would happen. I spotted Mrs. Kelsey over with a group of females clustered about the guest of honor. I was heading in her direction for information when a voice behind me brought me up short. Stone! Well, what are you doing here? I'm slumming, Kelsey. Where's Max? I know he was coming here. Charles! Well, it's about time you were arriving. Whatever's been keeping you? I've been tied up at the office, and then I had to get dressed. Oh, uh, Edith, this is Mr. Stone, the Chicago star. My wife. How do you do? How do you do? Charles, the Count has been here for quite some time now. Come on and meet him. Hurry. Kelsey, as soon as you're through, I'd like a word Oh, with Mr. You. Stone, you really should meet the Count Raphael de Guidio yourself. He's just arrived from Barcelona, and he's truly one of the most delightful and charming gentlemen I've ever met. A true aristocrat. Yes, it'll be a pleasure, I'm sure. Uh, this way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor man. Just look at him over there behind those palms. Where? I don't see him. Over there, in the midst of all those women. They're simply devouring him. Oh, Count Raphael. We'd better go round. Here he is. Oh, Count Gideon. Ah, Signora Kelsey. I am... Oh. The Count de Gideon stood staring at me. A red ribbon of honor, three medals decorating his magnificent dress coat. In fact, any way you looked at him, he was a magnificent figure of a man with a magnificent snow-white Van Dyke beard, every inch an aristocrat. Except, of course, he wasn't the Count de Guidio at all. He was Max Saracen. My husband, Charles, Your Highness. It is indeed a pleasure, Mr. Kelsey. I have been looking forward to this for a long time, Count. Yes, indeed. Uh, and Mr. Va- uh... A stone, a Randolph stone. Squire. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. The Count de Guidio. Uh, Mr. Stone is a journalist. Well met, Mr. Stone. Well met. I uh, have always admired the gentlemen of the Fourth Estate. To hold a mirror to our life and times is a profession requiring uh, discretion, understanding, and perhaps the ability to err, uh, say less than one knows. Why, Count Raphael, you're a philosopher. Yes, I, uh, I see what you mean, Your Highness. Uh, silence, even uh, for a journalist, can be golden, Mr. Stone. Yes, golden. It can also be yellow. Oh, oh I see Commodore and Mrs. Dwight Friedenberg have just arrived. Will you excuse me, please? I'll bring them over. All right, what goes on here? What's the idea? Randy, please. I'm paying him well for this. Uh, will you join me in a bit of punch, Randy? If uh, his highness will excuse us. But, of course. All right. <laughs> Come on, have a glass of punch, Stone. It isn't too bad. You won't get away with it. Not after the morning edition. <laughs> after tonight, Stone, the more you expose me, the better I like it. You know, it occurs to me that I should have invited you here in the first place. Your present fits very nicely. What are you trying to do? <laughs> Teach my wife a lesson. Mm, oh, true. come on, I do say. Have, have some punch. No, thank you. I've already tasted it. My dear blue-blooded wife will get the lesson of her life. Kelsey, why don't you see a psychiatrist? <laughs> you do need a drink, old boy. Yeah. Is there a real Count de Guidio? I suppose there must be. Naturally. He was due to be here tonight, but I received a wire at my office saying that his plane was grounded en route from Miami, Lisbon, and Point Seas. Mm-hmm. So, not wishing my dear wife to be disappointed... Oh, Charles. Yes? Oh, I'm afraid the Count isn't feeling very well. Oh, dear, I suppose it has been an awfully hard trip. He has to leave. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry. Where is he? 
busy. In the hall, I've had Perkins bring him his things. Oh, it really is too bad with the evening so young. Max was getting into a big black limousine as I ran down the stairs to the driveway. I called to him. Max! The car door slammed shut. A uniformed chauffeur threw the limousine into gear and spun away as I reached the side of the car. I was about to turn and go back into the house to question Kelsey when I saw the car circle the driveway and stop at the servant's entrance. As I hurried over, Max was getting out and was stripping off his overcoat. Oh, Max, now don't tell me that Kelsey wants that outfit back before you go. Randy. What goes on? If you must know, I, I'm going to help in the kitchen. In the kitchen? Yes, yes, the kitchen. Are you satisfied? But why? What for? For a hundred dollars. A hundred? How much did you get for playing the count? Also a hundred. But I don't get it until I earn the second hundred dollars. But why? Why would he pay a hundred dollars for a dishwasher? I don't know, I don't know. But I've got to do it, Randy. I need the money. You might as well know it. Now go away, please. Let me get it over with. Okay, Max, but... You'll get it over with a lot faster with an understudy to assist you. An understudy? Yeah, me. Come on. So this was the payoff. This was the booby trap. I couldn't help feeling it was even meaner than it looked, and I wanted to be around to try to keep it from exploding. We went around and back the servants' entrance and stepped into the kitchen. Servants had evidently been briefed by Kelsey, but they said not a word. They asked no questions. They just stared at us and whispered a little to each other. A stout old dame pointed to the pile of dishes in the sink. Them there. Thank you. Uh, what about an apron, Max? You can't wash dishes in that dress suit without... I've a... got to, just as I am. It's part of the agreement. I won't kid you, Randy. I've got to do this. It's vital. My wife and I, we've been starving. Uh, you don't, don't have to tell me. Look, when Kelsey decides to get even, he doubles it in spades. <laughs> We grabbed a couple of dish mops and went to work. Max laughed silently to himself as he worked, silently and bitterly. He turned to me. A king to account to a scullery boy in one short day. A breathless descent, eh, Randy? For my door, you're still king, Max. Thank you, lad. I, a king. You may me glory and me state depose, but not me griefs. I'm still king of those... Oh, I... Oh, forget about it. What's another dish to Kelsey? There I lie like a broken plate, used briefly, and then... Life is short, Randy, so short. So what? It's not the length, but the performance that counts, and you were always great, Max, always. You're a kind wag, my lad. A veritable squire of the night, a minion of the moon. We're the moon's lovers, you and I, Randy, governed by her as is the sea. For our fortunes do ebb and flow like the ocean's tides, now up. Now down... Well, that's life, Max. It's like sitting in the aisle seat in the movies. Past the cleanser. By heaven, I'll hate you everlastingly if you bid me be of comfort anymore. I am barren, bereft of friends. But you're not, Max. I have lost the name of king. My jewels are a set of tawdry beads. My place a verminous hermitage. My rich apparel a beggar's garb. Oh, make foul weather with despised tears... Curse heaven and die! Oh, he's falling to pieces. I've got to get him out of here before... Uh -oh. <laughs> right in here, ladies and gentlemen. Tycoons, barons, and literary lions. Here. Here's the surprise I told you about. Y'all say stay out of here. Hold the music, please. Please. Yeah. Here he is. Your nobleman from Spain, your aristocrat. The Count Raphael de Guido in person. Uh, Count Raphael. What's the meaning of this? 
Charles. <laughs> this is the silk purse, my dear. The one you keep telling me cannot be made from a sow's ear. Well, look at it. The sow's ear that you were convinced was the silk purse I never could become. Your born gentleman. The kind of gentleman I never could be. Oh, no, I'm not good enough. Well, meet him. <laughs> How goes it, Count? When you're through with those dishes, come out and give these hypocrites some more samples of your wits and gentility. Look at him, Edith. Look! Your gentleman. My hired clown. Oh, you... You're unspeakable. Oh, you weak-minded phony. The only thing you've proved is that Max is a gentleman compared to you. Villain, viper, damned beyond redemption. Max, take it easy. Snake whom we've warmed with our hot blood. Spotted Judas. Keep away from me. Will ye bring Max. calumny upon our fair name? By heaven. Max, don't. Come back. Get away. Get away. Put me down. But it wasn't, Max. Someone else. A giant. A king with a face of iron. Let go. Help. Oh, put him down, Max. Put him no, down. I'll make a no. Golgotha, you grinning skull. No, Max, don't. Put him down. When there are devils, cast them out. Max had lifted him over his head and hurled him through the window to the street below. I clutched his arm and half-dragged, half-pushed him out of the door and down the stairs to the street. I got him into my car and we drove about for a while. He sat beside me, staring ahead lifelessly, as he had once before that night. The power and the majesty had gone out of him. He was just a tired old man once more talking to himself without making a sound. I stopped in front of a drugstore. I got out and found a telephone. I dialed the Kelsey residence. Yes? Uh, who's talking? Sergeant Charles Inc., City Police. Who's this? Oh, uh, this Randy Stone. I just left there a little while ago. Uh, you I took Max Saracen with you. Yeah, that's right. He's with me now. Keep him there. Where are you? In front of a drugstore, corner of Maine and Flower. How is Kelsey? Was he hurt much? Yeah, he's dead. I went to the car and sat down beside Max. He looked at me with a strange new light on his bearded face. One that was tragic and far off. We have lost the name of kings. May golden cup becomes a dish of wood. Easy, Max. May one time kingdom a grave, a little grave, an obscure grave. Max, listen to me. Can you understand what I'm saying? Nay, let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the death of kings. For death sits within the hollow crown that rounds our mortal temples and grins the buffoon, scoffing at our state... I, a king? <laughs> you have mistook me all the while. But I only live by bread like you, dear cuz, like you. Give me that man that is not passion's slave, and I will wear him in my heart's core. I, in my heart, desire. He sat there beside me quoting Shakespeare. He didn't know me or hear me. I don't think he ever saw me. Once more. He was in another world. Once a world more. of his own dreams. I heard the siren of the approaching police car. And I know that though his body still lived, Max was gone. The king was dead. the lights are winking out one by one from Clark Street with its flop houses to State Street with its glittering shops. Dawn is around the corner, bringing an end to sleep and to the dreams of those who walk by day and rest by night. 
Well, as Mr. Shakespeare himself once said, life itself is but a dream. But dream or real, we only go through here once. Too bad we don't make more of it. Oh, well. Copy, boy. And here he is, the star of Nightbeat. That was a fine story tonight, Frank Lovejoy. Well, thank you very much, and let's uh, thank Wheaties. Wheaties is sort of our middle name this summer, huh? Well, a nicer middle name I can't think of, Frank. Uh, folks at your house getting the Wheaties every morning, just like always? Oh, sure, sure. The kids love them. I do, too, as a matter of fact. We got a regular spot for Wheaties on the kitchen shelf. You know, the salt goes here, flour goes here, Wheaties go here, right up in front, of course. <laughs> sure, I know. Every well-run cupboard should have a spot for the Wheaties. And millions of cupboards do, I guess. Yeah, say, uh, what is it they, they say about Wheaties? America's favorite whole wheat flakes. Breakfast of champions, that's it. Hello, boy. Thank you, Frank Lovejoy. We'll see you next week. Get your Wheaties, folks. As Frank said, keep them right up in front of the kitchen shelf. Have them for breakfast tomorrow morning. Remember, Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. <laughs> Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Erwin Ashkenazi with music by Frank Worth. The part of Max Saracen was played by Tudor Owen. Wally Mayer played Kelsey. Others in tonight's cast were Eleanor Audley, Anne Keenan, and Harry Bartell. Listen next week at this same time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen also on Tuesday, that's tomorrow night, to the Penny Singleton Show on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Forest fires again are destroying thousands upon thousands of our precious wooded areas and watersheds. Nine out of ten forest fires are started by human carelessness. Crush out all cigars and cigarettes. Break matches in two after using. Drench campfires. Always find out what the law is about the use of fire in any particular wooded area. Save our forests from their enemy. Next, Alona Massey stars on Top Secret on NBC. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. And this episode continues a recurring theme in Nightbeat, where our villain is not necessarily a murderer or anyone that the law would be concerned with in any way. Rather, they're a bully who pushes at someone's emotional weaknesses and insecurity till they get to the point of breaking. This goes all the way back to the knot is a weapon and a world all his own. And of the antagonist in those three stories, only the one in uh, the knot is a weapon came out of the whole thing unscathed. 
And that was because of the intervention of his sister. So this idea of the danger of bullying and pushing people too far was really strongly explored on Nightbeat. I also think this story highlights the type of journalist that Randy Stone is. He's not a crusading journalist in the sense that we usually uh, use the term. The crusading journalist takes on big institutions, big business, big government, school systems, industries, huge celebrities, that sort of thing. And to the extent that they connect with real people, it's in service of their overall narrative, which often has an unstated goal of changing laws or public policy or policy within an organization or company. With Randy Stone, it's ultimately and the people he meets helping them out and telling their story. And his column's not about the need for changes in law, but changes in how humans treat each other. He's more concerned about human decency and the golden rule than anything that's going on uh, politically. And that, I think, makes him a really interesting and different sort of uh, character. I don't know if any such journalists ever existed, or if they did exist, if they had a long run on a newspaper. But it certainly works great in fiction. All right, listener comments and feedback now. And uh, listener comments regarding episode uh, 2151, The Juvenile Gangster. Joey uh, writes in, Stone is one brave man. He tells a man that is holding a gun that he is a coward. Randy certainly isn't yellow. Um, well, I would agree. He's definitely not yellow, but he's also not foolhardy. When you do that sort of thing, you're kind of making an educated guess based on your knowledge of human nature as to what response you're going to get. The consequences of guessing wrong are pretty severe, but this time it turned out he made a good uh, bet. Uh, Tim, uh, wrote in, wow, Adam, did you notice the cast of stars in this one? Aside from Frank Lovejoy, we heard B. Benaderet, Polly Bear, uh, Bill Conrad, and Sheldon Lindner in the episode. A real treat. Good story, too. Again, thanks for all that you do to bring these shows to us. Well, Tim, uh, I definitely agree. These shows have great cast. And what's really good about them is that uh, they're given some really interesting and meaty roles to play you know uh, William Conrad gets some has gotten some fantastic roles in this series so far and it beats the usual thing he uh, gets because he uh, appeared in a lot of old-time radio but they tended to have him in one of two roles he was either just a generic uh, heavy or he was uh, some sort of cop or authority figure. Here, he really gets to kind of stretch his uh, artistic muscles, and I think you've seen so many characters uh, uh, played by some great actors who really, they are playing uh, material that they wouldn't get on any other program, and that definitely uh, great uh, talent with uh, great writing is one of the things that makes Nightbeat so enjoyable. And finally, Joe writes in, I enjoy Nightbeat, uh, generally good storylines. Well, thanks so much, Joe, and that will do it for today. 
We will be back tomorrow with Inspector Thorne. And then next Monday, join us for Nightbeat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.